Okay, how many cat people do we have in the room? Go ahead, raise your hand if you're a cat person. Okay, we've got some cat people. Okay, how many dog people do we have in the room? Okay, we have more dog people than cat people, and that's okay. But um, in talking about cats and dogs, one blogger on the internet has an interesting theory. She says that basically cats are tiny women in little fur coats. Okay, stick with me. Here's what she gives as evidence for her theory. She says, cats do what they want to do. They rarely listen to you. They're totally unpredictable. When you want to play, they want to be alone. When you want to be alone, they want to play. They expect you to cater to their every whim, and they leave hair everywhere. Okay, now, ladies, don't be offended by the stereotype because she goes on to say dogs are tiny men in little fur coats. And here's the evidence she gives for that. Dogs spend all day sprawled on the most comfortable piece of furniture in the house. They can hear a package of food being opened half a block away but don't hear you when you're talking to them in the same room. I like this one. They can look dumb and lovable all at the same time. They growl when they're not happy. They leave their toys everywhere. When you want to play, they want to play. When you want to be alone, they want to play. So I don't know if you agree with those stereotypes or whether they fit your marriage or not, but I'm sure she intended to be funny. But the truth is, some of the differences between how men and women approach the world make marriage either very interesting or very frustrating. Our differences can be frustrating if we focus on how different we are, but the fact that we are different also allows us to explore other ideas and other perspectives, and if we focus on it that way, life becomes more interesting. But our title today is How to Enjoy Your Marriage. And I hate to tell you this, but I have discovered in my nearly 40 years as a pastor that probably most people don't enjoy their marriage. It's sad to me, but I think that most people endure their marriage rather than enjoying it. And here's the thing, no one started out that way. I don't think anyone plans on having a bad or unhappy marriage. When they walk down the aisle, couples are planning on living happily ever after. And they plan on having a great marriage and growing old together. Unfortunately, too often, the marriage grows old before they do. One husband said, when I got married, I started off with an ideal. And a few months later, it turned into an ordeal and now I'm looking for a new deal. Well, what happened? It's simple. The fact, or it's simply the fact that for marriage to last, for marriage to be great, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. And 
that's one of the reasons that most real-life wedding ceremonies are different than what you see on television and in the movies. One of the secrets of a happy marriage, I think, is learning the difference between I do and I will. There's a difference between I do or I will. On TV and in the movies, when the couples get married and they take their vows, the words they say to each other is usually, I do. And I think that I do is an answer to a question about what you're going to do today. It is based on what a person is feeling right then. Do you love this person? I do. Do you want to marry this person? I do. And do you think that you can be married forever? I do. And it, as I said last weekend, people in long-term marriages know that sooner or later, the intensity of our feelings might begin to fade a little bit. And this happens when we face real-life problems and stress and conflict. And sometimes it happens within days of the marriage ceremony. Sometimes it takes a little longer than that. But when it happens, many people become absolutely terrified. And they think, I have made a huge mistake. And this is the point at which many people decide to bail out. Pastor, I don't love him. I don't love her anymore, they explain, which means I don't have the same intense feelings for her or him that I had when we first fell in love. And so they think, I obviously married the wrong person and I need to get out of this as fast as possible and find the right person. And I don't want to spend my life unhappy and I don't want to put up with their problems for the rest of my life. And in our society uh, of quick and easy divorce, it has become very easy for I do to become I don't. For I do to become I don't. But in reality, the fading of those high-intensity feelings is very normal. It doesn't signal the end of a relationship, but rather the beginning of the next phase of the relationship. The next phase is about learning that love is a choice, that it is a decision that we make. And that's why in the weddings that I do and in most real life weddings, the couple answers, I will instead of I do. This is not an answer about their feelings, but about their choices. The word love in the Bible is rarely referring to anything that we feel. It usually refers to action. To love someone in the Bible means to serve them. It means to bless them. It means to do good for them day in and day out, whether you feel like it or not. And the good news that I want to share with you is when couples make that choice that to love each other day in and day out, something deeper and far more lasting grows inside. It's different from the early feelings of romantic love that brings us together. It's deeper and it's stronger and it's more steady. And I think it's better. It is the experience Jesus talks about when he says, the two shall become one flesh. And when that happens, you can actually be happy in marriage. You enjoy your marriage. Now, let me be clear. All marriages have problems. And every couple have times when it just isn't particularly fun to be married to each other. And if we choose to, most of us could make a convincing argument 
for why our marriage was a mistake in the first place. So why do some marriages last and some marriages crash? Do couples who are married for decades have some skills that others don't or do they just kind of suffer through? Well, I'm not really an expert, but I have been married for almost 40 years, and that's shorter than some of you, and it's longer than others of you, but let me tell you how long I've been married. I have been married so long that if I had murdered my wife when I first thought about it, I'd be out of prison by now. <laughs> I, I would have served my term. I, I would be out. But... Uh, I've also had the privilege of observing many long-term marriages, and I think that I've discovered some skills from Scripture that will help us to stay married, but really also begin to enjoy our marriage. And since I believe that learning to enjoy your marriage is all about the choices that you make, I have stated each of the four secrets as we will decisions. The first is we will focus on each other. We will focus on each other. Look again at what Jesus said in Matthew 19. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. One of the things we often forget is that when God first established the family, he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the two of them, before they had kids, were a complete family unit. I need some people to help me. Uh, Adam and Emily are going to come and bring my friends with you, but I need a couple of people to serve as teenagers in my illustration here. And so do I have some volunteers? You, can, you don't have to be a teenager. You just have to be willing to serve as a teenager. Some volunteers. Okay, you come on up. That's great. Eric, you come up with her. You, you just volunteered. Okay, Ainsley, you're coming up too. Come on, I need all of you. Okay. Thanks for bringing the babies. Okay, now I want you two, while they're coming up, to face each other. This is Adam and Emily. They're married to each other. Hold hands and look lovingly into each other's eyes. Okay? You look lovingly into each other's eyes. Now, somewhere along the line, we got the feeling that this was an incomplete family. But in Scripture, this is a family unit. Two people loving each other, looking lovingly into each other's eyes. That's great. But then when you look lovingly into each other's eyes, a baby tends to come along. So you got to add this in. Okay. And um, stay connected. Hold her hand. Yeah, that's fine. You got to. There you go. And then uh, after a little while, that baby grows up and maybe another baby comes along. So you need to add that in. And it's a little harder to stay connected, Right. But eventually, these kids that you have become teenagers. So I need all my teenagers to come in and get in the middle here. Okay, and, and okay, now, now I, I want you to look lovingly into each other's eyes. You, you see the difficulty here, okay? It, it becomes difficult. Okay, now, this is the way that most American families try to do it. Couples become very child-focused. They put the kids in the middle of everything. Everything kind of revolves around the kids. But here's a better way. Can I show you a better way? Okay, let the teenagers out. Okay. You, don't go away. You're, look lovingly into each other's eyes again. We're still trying that. Okay. And then the baby comes along, and instead of... This baby has two hands, doesn't she? There we go. Okay. 
grab hold of the hands and that blanket's going to fall off. So hold that too. There you go. Okay. We add the baby into the circle. This will be a little more difficult because these are baby dolls, not real life kids. There we go. You see? And when they get bigger, just jump in there, hold hands. There you go. Now, here's what happens. They're still connected. Good things going on, right? And let's see. Uh, this one's going to grow up and get old and move out. Okay. And then this one grows up and gets old and moves out. And this one hangs on forever. <laughs> but eventually she gets old and she moves out and they're connected again. Does that make sense? Because they stay focused on each other. Thank my volunteers and take these babies back. So some couples grow apart because they've made the mistake of becoming child-focused rather than staying focused on the person that they love, on their spouse. And if you do a really good job of raising your kids, understand something, if you're a parent, you're right in the middle of that today. If you do a really good job of raising your kids, they leave. That's what's supposed to happen. I mean, even the Bible says that. It says, raise up a child in the way they should go. Right? They should go if you've raised them right. And so eventually you need to be able to stay focused on each other. And that's an important thing. So how can we focus on each other? Well, I suggest, first of all, pay attention to each other. We need to go back to paying attention the way we used to. You do the things that you did to show attention to them when you first fell in love. Write love letters. Give gifts, make phone calls, send texts, send flowers. I hate to say it, but the people that I've talked to who have cheated in their marriage usually got involved in that relationship because someone else started paying attention to them. You've heard me say it before, but the very best time for you to tell your spouse you love them is before someone else does. It's before someone else does. And some of you pay more attention to your pet when you get home than you do to your spouse. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, Steve, that's because my pet is nicer to me when I get home than my spouse is. If you're thinking that, can I just push back on that a little bit? Your pet is nicer to you because you pay attention to your pet. Pay attention to your spouse and see how nice it can be. Secondly, spend time with each other. You know, this should not be a startling statistic, but apparently it is. A study done by the University of Nebraska found the common denominator of all happy marriages is this one thing. They spend time together. They spend time together. And it's such a simple principle. We need to spend uh, time paying attention to those we love. And some people today actually spend more time surfing the web or watching uh, reruns on TV than they do talking and laughing and paying attention to the people they claim to love the most. Let me make some suggestions. First, spend time talking daily. 
Find a time every day to talk. Uh, for some couples, that's at breakfast. For some, it's after dinner. For some, it's just before they fall asleep. And if you have kids in the house, I suggest you have your talk time while they're awake and in the same room that you are in. While you're doing it, you just say, we're going to take some time and we're going to talk, and you don't allow them to interrupt you. You tell them that you're going to talk to each other for 15 minutes because you love each other and that they can play quietly, but they can't interrupt and then don't let them. It will take some time, but studies show rather than your child feeling neglected, they will feel more secure because they see the strength of your relationship. And it may take some time, but eventually they will let you talk. Secondly, spend time dating weekly. Spend time dating weekly. Before you were married, you went out on a weekly date, maybe more often, so don't stop. It doesn't have to cost money. It can be playing a game or watching a movie while cuddling together or taking a walk or a hike. And you can take turns planning it so that you don't get in a rut. But plan a weekly time that's just for fun and relaxation and romance. Set a rule that you are not allowed to discuss problems or kids or finances during that time. Some of you are thinking, what are we going to talk about? The things you used to talk about. Make it a weekly time of dating. Second, or thirdly, spend time vacationing yearly. Many years ago, Jill and I were camping in the Redwoods, and I was kind of a jerk. It was early in our marriage. I was sitting under a tree reading a book, and it suddenly dawned on me that Jill really wasn't getting to rest. She was cooking, and she was doing dishes, and she was caring for the kids. And so I started doing the cooking while we were camping, and I tried to share the care of the kids more equally, but I decided right then that I would try to take her once a year for a trip where we didn't have to cook or we didn't have to make beds and we didn't have a schedule. And I decided that we would do it without the kids with us. In some years, it has been just a few days. Other years, it has been a whole week, but it has been a great time for us to focus on each other again. So the first secret of learning to enjoy your marriage is to focus on each other and stay connected. And this scripture should be the theme of our marriages and really all our relationships. I like it from the message paraphrase. Here's what it says. Be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. The second secret might be kind of close to the first, and that is we will have fun together. We will have fun together. One of the common ingredients of a good relationship is that you enjoy being with each other. Let's face it, that's how most of our relationships start. You hang out together, you laugh together, you have fun together. But in marriages, sometimes life begins to push out the fun. You begin to have these business meetings with your spouse where you're talking about all of the business of finances and home and family, and then you forget to enjoy each other. Look at what the wisest man who ever lived said in Ecclesiastes 9. He said, life is short and you love your wife, so enjoy being with her. This is what you are supposed to do as you struggle through life 
on this earth. And I think that could be said the other way. Life is short and you love your husband, so enjoy being with him. The next verse speaks to our workaholic culture. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes 10. Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. Pretty blunt, isn't it? And that probably isn't the verse to quote to each other when you're frustrated with each other. But the truth of it is we sometimes need to pay attention to this truth. We shouldn't be working so hard that we forget to have fun together. By the way, if you are the person who's spending most of the time working around the house, you can also work around the house so much that you forget to have fun together. Now, if you feel like it's been a long time since you've had fun together and it just feels a little bit awkward, let me suggest you work on staying interesting and staying fun to each other. Let me make three quick suggestions of how to do that. The first is enjoy common ground. Go back to what it was that you used to have fun doing together. I mean, if you used to love to hike, make time to hike together. If you love to find great deals at garage sales, get up early on Saturday and join that fun crowd. That doesn't sound fun to me, by the way, but maybe it does to you. If you love to explore the hole-in-the-wall restaurants, do that. Jill and I love to travel together, and we have a variety of tastes in traveling. We like going camping, and we like going to nice places, so do what you love to do together. The second suggestion is encourage separate ground, and I know that's going to sound like I'm contradicting what we're talking about, but it isn't a contradiction, and it's hard for some couples. After all, you feel like you got married to do things together, but the healthiest relationships also maintain separate interests. My wife is passionate about music, and I can't even play the radio well sometimes. I mean, so she does a lot of music stuff without me. She goes to musicals and all sorts of things, and she enjoys that. And I enjoy jigsaw puzzles and watching murder mystery uh, movies. And I enjoy going to a baseball game, and Jill doesn't enjoy most of those things. When we go to a baseball game, she's vaguely aware that there's some guys running around on that green stuff out there. Now, the key is to encourage separate ground without becoming separate, to encourage separate ground without becoming separate. And it can be fun to talk together about your different interests and the areas that you love. And when you do, you will continue to be interesting to each other. And then lastly, explore new ground. And I think that this is a key that most marriages miss. Explore some new ground together. Get out of your comfort zone. Do something different. A few years ago, Jill and I stepped out of our norm, and we started riding bikes together. And we don't do it as often as we want, but we go uh, up to Erie and ride around Presque Isle or downtown and ride uh, around some of the trails together down there. And we have discovered we like it and that we have fun doing it. And so that's one of the new areas. When we first got married, neither one of us ate seafood, and now we do. And so what is the new ground you need to explore together? Maybe you need to take a class together, or maybe you need to do a home improvement project together. Okay, okay wait a minute. That one might create more stress than it solves. But go on a trip together. Just do something new. Explore new ground. So decide to focus on each other and to have fun together and then make this decision, we will adjust to change. We will adjust to change. 
I love how the Bible paraphrases Proverbs 24, the Living Bible. Here's what it says. Any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the fact. Now, the problem is that it is a never-ending job to plan wisely and to use common sense, and it's a never-ending job to keep abreast of the facts because life is full of changes. And part of the problem in marriage is the two people who agreed to marry each other have changed drastically. I mean, you may have said to your friends, he is not the same person I married. I have news for you. You are not the same person that he married either. You have changed. You both have changed. And by the way, this world isn't the same place where you got married. Have you noticed that? It has changed greatly. One of the secrets to enjoying your marriage is to adjust to change rather than fighting change. It's to expect it. When you know that change is coming and you expect it, it's much easier to deal with. Let me list three areas where you can expect change. There's others, but let me list three. The first is this. Expect changes in life stages. Different stages of life have different good points and different bad points. Changes come with each one. Life is different when you are a newlywed than it is when you have a baby. And I know you always say that you're going to put your baby on a schedule, but they tend to put you on a schedule instead. And the teen years have totally different stressors. It is a stressful thing watching that teenager drive away in your car without you in it for the first time. And the empty nest is wonderful in some ways, but it usually means dealing with adult children. And that's very different than dealing with young children. And I look forward to retirement someday, but I'm told that being together 24-7 takes an adjustment. And so expect changes at different life stages. Secondly, expect changes in the world. Do you realize how much our world has changed. I'm 59 years old, and I remember when most homes did not have a microwave oven. I remember when no homes had a computer inside of them, and now we have smartphones, and we have tablets, and some people have cars that parallel park themselves. I don't but I'd kind of like to ride in one sometime. Anyway, we got married 40 years ago, Jill and I, and when we got married, only people who were on television had their weddings videotaped. We have a cassette tape of our wedding. Some of you don't even know what a cassette tape <laughs> is. But... Um, Things are changing in the world, and I can't tell you what the changes will be in the future, but I can tell you technology will change. But not only do you need to expect changes in the world at large, but changes will take place in your world. I mean, many of you have dealt with the changes of unemployment or chronic illness or retirement. So expect changes in the world. Thirdly, expect changes in your body. You will gain weight or lose it. Your hair will turn gray or it will turn loose. You will experience health problems. That's part of the joy of growing older with someone. You can't expect yourself 
or your spouse to always look and feel 25 years old. Someone sent me this a few years ago and it makes the point. A couple had been married for 25 years and they were celebrating the husband's 60th birthday. And during the party, a marriage fairy appeared and said, because they'd been such a great loving couple all those years that the marriage fairy would grant them each one wish. And the wife said, you know, we have been so poor all these years and I've never gotten to see the world. I wish that we could travel all over the world, travel around the world. And the fairy waved her wand and poof, she had round-the-world tickets in her hand. Next, it was the husband's turn, and he paused for a moment, and then he said, well, my wish is I, I wish that I was married to a woman 30 years younger than me. And the fairy waved her wand, and poof, he was 90 years old. <laughs> Not quite what he had in mind, probably. But one of the decisions that will help you enjoy your marriage is to decide we will expect and adjust to change. Lastly, decide together we will emphasize our commitment. Look at this scripture from Psalm 76. It says this, Make and keep your promises to the Lord your God. From all around, gifts should come to the God we worship. I don't know if you caught what that said, but one of the gifts that we give to God as a, a part of our worship is keeping the promises that we make. One of our gifts to God is keeping the promises we make. So let me list three commitments that we need to learn to emphasize if we're going to enjoy our marriage. First, emphasize your commitment to each other. Don't take that for granted. Don't forget the fact that you made certain promises to each other the day you got married. You, not just the promise to stay married, that's an important one. Not just the promise to remain faithful, that's an important one. But you promise to love and to honor to care for and to respect each other. How are you doing on those things? Are you honoring your spouse? Are you respecting them? Would, you, would your spouse say that they feel cherished by you? Are you considerate of their needs? Make keeping your commitments to your spouse a priority in your thinking. And someone might be thinking, well, Steve, we are staying committed, but it just isn't fun. We're just not happy together. Here's what I think. Commitment is deciding to be unhappy until you work it out. Commitment is deciding to be unhappy until you work it out. And you understand what I'm saying here. If you have only two choices in your life, to remain unhappy or to work it out, if you don't give yourself any other options, you're going to figure out how to work it out. Commitment is deciding to remain unhappy until you work it out. And um, so decide to work out your problems so you can enjoy your marriage again. Secondly, emphasize your commitment to Jesus, your commitment to Jesus. If you are a Christ follower, you promised Jesus that you would follow him fully. You promised Jesus that you would become like him. You promised Jesus that you would do things according to his example. And so when I do that, when I keep my promises to Jesus, I also keep my promises to my wife when I remember my commitment to Jesus. And if you aren't yet a Christ follower, I would encourage you to explore becoming one. Talk to me. Talk to someone at our Next Steps canopy after the service because 
it helps to have Jesus' help and his strength as you're trying to live the best life possible. And then thirdly, emphasize your commitment to serving others. The happiest couples I know are both involved in serving Christ and his church and other people. You and your spouse don't have to be involved in serving in the exact same area. One can work with the kids while the other is on the praise team. Or he might help with the setup and teardown team. And she may help with guest services. But serving others at the same time is a great commitment to emphasize in your marriage. And it will increase the fun in your marriage. Well, we need to move on and finish up. But have you caught it yet? If we summed up how to have a great marriage and how to enjoy your marriage, it would come down to two words, decision and work. Decision and work. To enjoy your marriage, you have to make several commitments or decisions together. You have to decide we will continue to focus on each other. We will have fun together. We'll adjust to changes We'll emphasize our commitment. And making and keeping those commitments ends up being work, but it's worth it because you will begin to enjoy your marriage. And so today, if you're married, um, why don't you have a conversation today and talk to each other about which of these decisions you have made and you're doing well at and which of these decisions you need to make together again so that your marriage can get even better. And if you aren't married today, which of these scriptures stands out to you? Which of these areas can you apply to your life so your relationships can be better and you can enjoy them more? But I want to say again, as I've said every week, I believe better is possible in your relationships. I believe better is possible in your relationships if you use God's wisdom, if you allow him to refresh your relationships. And I am so thankful that God has given us the opportunity to love and enjoy our spouse for a lifetime. I'm glad that long-term love can bring even greater enjoyment than newfound love. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, in this room, I know there's some pain. I know there's some people, Father, who have really strived to make their marriage a great marriage and a fun marriage and they feel like they're trying alone that maybe their spouse isn't participating in that. Father, I pray that you will just surround them with your comfort and that you will give them wisdom and uh, that you will begin to work on the heart of their spouse. Father, I know there's other marriages represented here that are in crisis mode. Maybe there's been a lot of arguing, maybe... They have just gotten into a business mode together. And uh, Father, I just pray that you would cause them to decide again to actively love each other, to make these choices that we've talked about. And Father, I pray that when they do, that you will just bless their marriage with joy. Father, there's some others in this room that aren't married or uh, aren't married anymore. And this brings some questions or some pain and father i pray that you will just give them your comfort and show them what you are trying to say to them through this message and father for all of us we just thank you that no matter where we're at that you are always with us we thank you father for your wisdom and that you have made it possible for our lives here to be happy 
for us to enjoy life with our spouses if we will follow your principles. And so, Father, right now, I pray that your hand will be upon all of us as we seek to follow you fully. In Jesus' name, amen.